Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. And this is the word of the Lord. You guys can grab a seat. Good morning, my name is Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Hill City. It's an honor uh, to open God's word with you today. Now, if you're visiting, you need to understand, or if you're relatively new, what we will normally do here is go through books of the Bible. We just finished a series called The Path of Our King where we were going through the Gospel of Mark. Two Sundays from now, we will start the book of Genesis, Genesis uh, 1-1. And I'm very excited about that. That is going to be, uh, man, what a journey I believe God is going to take us on through uh, the book of Genesis. So, For the next two weeks, we are going to do some standalones. Next week, we're going to do mission and vision review. We have so many new people. They were not here a year ago when we talked about the mission and vision of our church. So we're going to review that. Uh, We're going to just just reignite as the school year starts. And then today, we're going to talk here. So Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. By translation, everything belongs to God. All of it. Um. And it could be that our natural tendency is to forget this. And no area of our life exposes this forgetfulness like the area of our money. So we need to have a family conversation this morning. If you are visiting, I would, I would believe that the Holy Spirit would have something for you as well. But, but, but I want to up front say this is actually a, a chat that we need to have as a church family uh, this morning. We are going to talk about generosity this morning. Um, And just in case you're worried about me, I can see it on your faces about if I'm nervous or scared of this topic. I just want to relieve you. I'm not nervous and I'm not scared to talk about this. Uh, I feel pretty good actually. Um, And when I say generosity, I'm just going to try to get some things out of the way. I'm sitting down. I probably will need a seatbelt by the way. I'm just going to have a calm chat with you hopefully this morning, but I don't think this chair is going to hold me, but we'll see. Okay. Um, just so you know, when we're talking about generosity, a lot of times what will happen, and we'll do this here, we'll talk about time, talents, and treasure, and we always mix that time and talents in it. It does matter, but that sort of softens the blow when we want to talk about money, so we say time and talent. And so let's just take everybody who just served us on stage. They pointed us to Jesus in song by their serving, and that's amazing, and we need that. The thing about this is we can't send this group over to the bank and have them sing for the bank and, then, and they just kind of let us not make our payment uh, or the electric company, right? So let me be very clear. We're talking about money today, okay? And I know that might make some of you uncomfortable, uh, but I hope it doesn't, okay? So there are three questions we're going to answer. We're going to keep this quite simple today. So we're going to talk about generosity. Why, why give generously? That's a question I would like to answer today. And then I'm going to come in behind it and be a little bit more specific. Well, why give generously to your local church? And then the third question is, okay, how do I do that then? You're going to tell me why, but how do I do that? So let me pray. 
because that's the most important thing that I think we can do and the most powerful thing that we can do. So would you bow your heads? God, we love you. And we know that we're two or three gathered your spirit and you are going to be there. So you're here and you're welcome here. And that's awesome. So might you, might we beg you to open our eyes and show us awesome things from your words, specifically around generosity. May we be people who mimic our king. So we love you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So question number one, why give generously? And I don't want to oversimplify this, but here's your answer. One answer. Ready? Because the Bible tells us to. Okay? It, it, it truly is that simple. The Bible tells us to. This is our book. This is our final authority. We go to God's word to learn how to live every area of our lives. So the Bible tells us to. I read Psalm chapter 1 and 2. And, and, and so, so listen, here's what we need to know right out of the gate when it comes to our resources. None of it is ours. Hill City Church, if you are going to be part of this church and this church family, we're going to remind you of that. Everything you have, all of your money, all your resources, it's not yours, it's God's. And we will answer for what we do with God's stuff. Okay? Now, our issue happens to be in Genesis chapter 3. And when sin entered the world, it, it affected every area of our lives, and it definitely affected the way we look and handle and look at resources, and specifically money. It actually might cause us to grip it and hold on to it in ways that God may not intend us to do that. But the Bible does tell us, uh, and a reason we should give generously is because it isn't ours. Another thing is like, listen, we have a king. Okay, that we follow and we obey, but it's more than that. It's, it's actually a king that he was our ultimate model. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this. So whoever says he abides in him, that's our king, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So we have a king that was our ultimate model of generosity, and we should try to be like him. Philippians tells us this. It's the same vein that we read in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, verses 5 through 8, have this mind among yourselves. So Hill City, let's just say it like this. Let's think like this, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We can do this because this is the way our king lived and this is the way our king thought and it's available to us. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you can't think about the things I'm getting ready to tell you to think about, specifically with your money, it could be that your thoughts are incorrect about your king. It's available to you. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he, was in the, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. That's what our king did. The word became flesh. He left a throne and he came here being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if you get any theme today, I want you to get this. We have a king who sat on a throne and he was, listen, he is filthy rich. Actually, he owns everything, Psalms tells us. It's all his. And he became poor. He gave so that we could have everything. That is the greatest news that you're ever going to hear in your life. That is the reality of King Jesus. And that is why we should give 
generously. Romans 8 talks about us being conformed into his image. So we can be more and more like Jesus. Our generosity should reflect our king. So that is why we give generously. Our king is a giver. I'm going to say it one more time. Our king is a giver. So it's good. Okay, I get it, Brad. Sweet. I can be generous. I want to be generous. My king is generous. But the next question I want to answer is, but why then give generously to the local church? It's like, why can't I just give generously out there? Well, you can and you should, and I know many of you do, but why give generously to the local church? Well, number one reason, because the Bible tells us to. (laughs) Now, does it say, be generous to your local church? No, it doesn't. But Paul is writing, and the funny thing is he wrote a lot of letters, and those letters were to local churches, right? So you you can read here, and and I'll read one passage for you, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I just want to read the first couple verses here. Paul says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, like literal churches, plural. These are all local churches, and Paul's like, hey, we want to let you know about the grace of God that has been given. So you think he might come in behind it and be like, a bunch of people were saved and a bunch of people were baptized. And like, this is how the grace of God is given. And, and it is, but that's, that's not the only way. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. Right? So he goes on and says, no, the grace of God was given. How? A bunch of poor people gave a bunch. And he, and he talks, and, and listen, these were local churches. You go on down to verse 12, I can read it. It says, for, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So these people in local churches, they actually gave based off of what they had, and they didn't base their giving off of what they didn't have. Now, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. But, but, but it could be that sometimes we look and we see what we don't have, and that informs our generosity. And that's actually not how the Bible would tell us to live. Okay? So, it was a local church. Now, we need to have a little talk. So, I'm going to step out just for a minute. Okay? So I just want you to imagine with me, right? Your kids, we got a lot of little kids running around the church. I play a game of tag in here every single Sunday with them. It's incredible. Now imagine me walking up to you. Let's just say I come up to a mom and dad, and I'm like, man, I, I, love, I love your son. He's awesome. He's super incredible. And then, imagine, and then I get this look on my face, and I'm, I mean, it's real, and it's disdain, and it's gross, and it's like... His face is so ugly. But I love him. Okay? I, I mean, don't take that. Don't be offended by that. Like, okay, so maybe it's, let's just do something else. Maybe it's not the face. Your daughter is so, I love her. Man, it's so fun visiting with her. And it's like, her belly is so fat. And you should do something about that. Okay? Listen, I will be backhanded by a mama. Okay? And maybe worse by a dad. Okay, now what, that's weird, but I want to bring this up, okay? So, 
Before I say this, I want you to know I have been guilty of what I'm getting ready to say, and God convicted me over this. He did it through my sister. She's my older sister. He's used her a lot to do that in my life. But listen, here's the sentence. Well, the American church is dot, dot, dot. And then then we just proceed to just shred the American church. And listen, at some point it became sort of in vogue to do this. It became like a, a neat thing to do. I want to criticize the American church. And, and listen, we're here. If we, let's let our theology drive us. Um, we're here because God has us here in America. <laughs> what other option do you have? Like this has, this has kind of been a thing that, that we've been doing. It. And, and if you will even show just a hint or even more than a hint of disdain toward the American church, it actually will then accumulate some respect in a lot of circles. Now, here's what I find most interesting about this critical spirit. I'm not saying that things can't be critiqued and that there aren't times for that. But what I'm talking about is a critical spirit that has sort of crept in and become kind of neat to do. I don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. Yes, Paul wrote letters to specific local churches. He had to deal with certain issues. But to just find this critical spirit... It's not good. And I want to say this with love. I want to say this with gentleness. Hill City Church, if you call this ch- your church home, I'm going to ask. I'm going to try to lead us. Let's not do that. And if you've done it, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't need you. I'm not shaming you. Listen, I lived in this vein about seven to ten years ago. I was like, this was, this is right, young and peacocked out. Like, I learned something new. So, like, I was parroting this stuff. I'm going to ask that we not do that. Our belly's fat because I'm here. Right? Like our eyes are crossed and crooked in the American church because you're here. We're all jacked up so yeah the church is pretty ugly and you know what the groom does he puts his arm around her and says she's mine so let's not rip her let's not rip parts of her body are you with me and I hope you hear that and receive that kindly let's let's actually be generous to her in the local church sense. Now, why else would you give generously to the local church? It's not just because the Bible uh, tells us to. But listen, this is, this is pretty big. And some of you need to really just evaluate your hearts. You give to the local church because you believe in that church's vision and mission. And we're going to talk about this next week even in more detail. But, but, but as a broad, in a broad sense, let's talk about this. Like two things. We believe two things last forever. Two things last forever. Only two things will last forever. And that is the souls of men and God's word. So 
here's what I would say to you. The elders, me, me and the elders, we believe we are investing in those two things. We, we truly do. We evaluate. We are investing in getting God's word to as many people as we can. We are investing in the souls of men and women. We are investing in those things. Like, and, and, and again, you need to know this, and I'll talk, I'll talk with you guys about anything you want to talk about with, with, with Jenny and I personally and how we give and all that. I'm not going to do it from the stage. But I'll tell you this. Jenny and I believe so much in what goes on here. Like, I'm just telling you, 99% of our generosity goes here because we believe in it. Now, do we do other things outside of here? Yes. But listen, we, we believe in what is happening in this church. And here, here's our reality. It could be that some of you, man, we have a lot of new people here. So it could be that some of you don't understand or just haven't quite understood that that is what we are investing in at Hill City. And for some of you, the reality is you just don't believe that that's what we're investing in. And, and I would say to you, if you're the first one, I want, to, I want to do what I can to make that clear to you that we are investing in that. If you are here and you don't believe that that is what we are investing in, what I would say uh, to you is if that's the reason that you are not generous to this church, I would never be generous to a church that isn't investing in those two things. If you, th if you believe we are not investing in those two things, I don't blame you for not giving to this church. But I will say this, I also would have a really hard time staying at a church that wasn't investing in those things. I would have a hard time staying at a church that I believed was not investing in those things. And I want to say this with gentleness and with love. This is Springfield, Missouri. There are a lot of options. A lot of options. You just might be able to go find a church that you believe is investing in those two things. And I want to say this, and i got to try not to have a critical spirit here. Likely you're going to go to a bunch of other churches, and you're going to come to the same conclusion that they're not investing in those th things. And the reality is the reason you're drawing that conclusion is because you follow you there. But maybe not. If you're new here at this church, we have, we have a lot of you, okay? You need to meet with a pastor and elder if you're still unsure. If you're still, okay, I'm not sure, but you're still kind of checking us out. There's wisdom in that, and I'm glad you're doing that, okay? But, but you can meet with, with, with me, with another elder, and we can crunch all the numbers. You can look, and, you, and, and some of you have been here for a few months now, and it's like, man, there, there hasn't been that generosity piece yet to follow you here, and I get it, um, but please be proactive in learning if this is going to be the place where you are going to come and then you are going to invest, and I'm not just talking about uh, I, where you're going to invest your finances, okay? So some of you are hearing this, like, okay, because this is relatively new to some people, so I'm with you. I want to give generously. Yes, I want to give generously to the local church. How do I do that? 
Okay, because there is a way in which God's people are supposed to give under the new covenant. But first, I need to talk about old covenant because I don't want to assume that people know things that they may not know. Okay, because we use a word here and we, we're trying to take it out of our vocabulary, not, not because it's not a biblical word, it's just and it's the word's tithing. We can assume that all of you know what it means, what tithing means, okay? But, but I want to make sure you understand where we get that term and what that's about. So what is a tithe? Like, does God require a tithe? Like, is there a percentage that has to go to the local church? Like, what are we even talking about here today? Okay, so if you go to the Old Testament, before there was ever any law, you can read about uh, in Genesis chapter 14, where Abram, he, he, he rescues Lot, his nephew, and he gives to Melchizedek, and he, it just says that he gives a tenth. And that's what a tithe means. It means a tenth. I don't know if this has anything to do with anything. I'm just telling you, this is like where it's mentioned for the first time in Scripture where somebody gave a tenth. You can also read... Uh, Jacob, Jacob's ladder. If you remember, he had a dream. It's Jacob's ladder. He lays his head on a pillow, right? And, and, and it says, and this stone, uh, in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 28, and this stone which I have set up for you uh, for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a full tenth to you. There it is again. There's that tenth. And again, we're talking Old Covenant. We're talking Old Testament. We're talking about law, Okay. Many other verses for this, Leviticus chapter 27, Numbers chapter 18, Second Chronicles chapter 31. Let me just read a few of these. Uh, Leviticus chapter 27, every tithe of the land. There's that word tithe again. Just means tenth. Whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of the herds and the flocks and every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. So we see this in Leviticus, this idea of a tenth. You see it again in Numbers, 2 Chronicles 31. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field. Then they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So it was a tenth of everything. Again, this is Old Testament. So we, we think, okay, wait, a tenth. Maybe I'll just match. I'll just do what the Old Testament said. And before we, before we go any further, you know that the Old Testament law, it actually required multiple tithes. It wasn't just one tithe. So you had a tithe for the Levites. You had a tithe for the use of the temple. You had a tithe for the feast that they had. You had a tithe that went for the poor of the land. It was multiple tithes. So so if you really crunch the numbers, Old Testament law was actually more than 10%, okay? But if you're new to the faith and you hear this word tithe, and like, I don't really, it seems like it's money. I don't really know what it is. It comes from the Old Testament. And it was the Old Covenant way to give. So here we are, Brad, Brad, do you expect me? to give a tenth of everything that I have. And I just need you to know, I don't expect anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've thrown expectations out the door because I've been surprised on both ends by the people of God, to be honest with you. So my expectations, uh, I guess I have none. Now, you've heard me say this before. I've said this in our covenant membership class. I've been like, well, I think 10% is actually a good starting point for the people of God. And I just want to share with you guys, I'm actually not going to say that anymore. 
Because I, I can't really go to scripture and even back that statement up. And I want to be able to go to scripture. I want God's word to inform us. So for me to stand up here and be like, well, 10% is a good starting point for the people of God. I'm not going to say it anymore. That's Old Testament. And we love our Hebrews, right? We, we've done Hebrew studies here and we sing song about better, better. That's the theme of Hebrews. It's better, it's better. Everything is better. Jesus made everything better, everything greater. Jen Wilkin knocked it out of the park. We've all done her Hebrew study and she crushes it, right? So, so I guess what I would say to us is if everything's better on this side of the old covenant, then why would our giving not also be better? Just, just something to propose there. So let's talk about new covenant generosity. So how do I do this, Brad? How do I give to the local church? How do I give? How do I be generous at all? Two words for us. Here it is. Cheerfully and faithfully. Cheerfully and faithfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. Listen, I know you guys have read all these. Like those of you raised in the church, I know this could be just some white noise to you. But listen, this is God's word and we need to hear this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So, listen, we can read scripture, and what we can conclude is that there is a type of giving that does delight God's heart, and that is cheerful giving. I hope that as you are generous, that you do it cheerfully. We'll come back to that in a minute, but also faithfully. Faithfulness matters. The Bible actually tells us that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So if your giving is not proceeding from faith... The Bible would say that actually it is sin. Hebrews, I mentioned Hebrews. So, so Hebrews actually says it's impossible to please. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want to please God. And faithfulness. Having faith. So what's this mean? How does this, what is, how does this tie to our generosity and to our giving? Well, just give me an example. Maybe give you two examples. I don't think we wait for bonuses to give. I don't think we wait till we get to the end of the year and see how things are going to shape up. That seems to lack faithfulness. I, here, here's another thing. Listen, and I love you guys, and some people do this. Like, I, I don't think faithfulness is just sitting back, picking and choosing what we give to and what we don't give to. Again, I'll, let me go back. If you don't believe in what this church is doing, by all means, don't give. But it would confuse the snot out of me as to why you would stay somewhere that you didn't believe in. So this is a loving invitation to go somewhere else where you would believe the mission of God is being accomplished. And let me talk to the new people really quickly. You're still checking us out. Many of you, you have never even experienced a fall here. <laughs> like, just hold on. Okay, your hair's going to be messy after you see a fall here. And it's exciting and it's crazy. And you're going to see just a piece of what we 
invest in. Jesus talked about this, Luke chapter 16. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. Okay, so listen, so, so here's what we don't do. Man, I'm just, I just want to make a bunch of money so that I can be generous. <laughs> you flip the script. <laughs> like, like, like this script. You can't flip the script. Like you, if you're not generous now, before you have a bunch of money, here's what I know. You're not going to be generous when you get a bunch. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. So, so let's, not, let's not just kind of buy that lie. Be faithful with little, then you'll be faithful with much. So here's the reality. We've got to talk about this. Well, let's just read the rest of this. If you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, and that's just money. That's, okay, that's just how the Bible, that's what the Bible calls literal, little money. Then who will entrust you to have true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is what Jesus talks about when he wants faithful giving, faithful living. So, so let, let's have a real conversation. All of you, most of you, okay, you're going to get up early in the morning and you're going to get ready. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to work. That's, that's right. And let me just say it how it is. And we can fluff this all we want, but <laughs> I don't do that. Here's why you're going to work in the morning. Oh, because I love my people and I just want to serve my community. No, you're not. That may be part of it. Listen, you are going to work tomorrow morning, and the primary reason you're going to work is to make money so that you can live and you can pay your bills. That doesn't mean that you love it. That's just life. So I don't want you to think like, I'm going to work to make money. Is there something wrong with that? No, actually, I highly recommend it. <laughs> because guess what? Your bank for your mortgage, they don't take your prayers as payment. So, so I just want to relieve any sense of shame for like, yeah, I'm going to work to make money. It doesn't mean you love it. This is, this, we have to examine our hearts. And listen, I got to be honest with you, and I love you, so I want you to receive this well. For some of you, I literally pray that God will increase your wealth because I've watched, I've known, I know exactly what you're going to do with it. And for some of you, I actually pray that he doesn't. Like I talk to God. I pray more than I do anything. Okay. And, I, and I, have, I will pray specifically and say, Lord, they will not be able to handle this. And I have prayed that God would not do that because it wouldn't go well for you. Here's what I want. Here's what, my, here's what I desire. Okay? And in case, in case you miss it, we're talking about money today. I want each of you to give like you believe in something. 
listen, to be clear, listen, I want you to pray like that too. <laughs> I want you to serve like that too. <laughs> like it, I, I want you to give like you believe in something. I want you to read your Bible like that too. Like you believe in something. But let's just say we, we could just post on the screen some sort of audit, which we would never do. In the Bible, it doesn't, you know, you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand do. But let's just say that, that we could post a generosity record and specifically a giving record on the screen behind me. What would it say about what you believed in? What would it say about what you loved? Oh, because it would say. <laughs> and I want you to give like you believe in something. So how can I do that? We're going to wrap it up. We've got to fix how we think about money. We have to think properly. So I'm going to give you four things, four ways that I think can shape our thinking about this. Number one, it starts with humility. That's a big word for us around here. Humility, humility, humility. And humility starts with being willing to say, like I read earlier, this isn't mine. Why do we give? Why are we so generous with our money? Because it's not mine. Like Jenny and I, we don't get to do what we want with our money. And it takes humility to say that. And it's actually prideful to say it another way. There are three Old Testament passages and, and, and a New Testament that I want to read to you. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So it's not just your money that's yours. The fact that you were going to be able to wake up and walk tomorrow to go to work, God gave you that. 1 Samuel chapter 2, the Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. So let me just talk to the people who have a lot of money in the room. God did that. I know you worked hard. I know you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, all the stuff. God did that. Psalm 24, say it again, the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Now, here we go, James, New Testament 4, but he who gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God will actively oppose the proud. He will give grace to the humble. We have to start living and thinking with humility about our money. And I'm just going to tell you, you may not feel like God's opposing you. I'm just, listen. The Bible says it. It may not seem like God opposes the proud in the short term, but this is his word, and it is sure. Two, not just be humble. Number two, put your confidence in Christ. Put your confidence in our king. Put your confidence in Jesus Christ and not your money. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5 says this. I'll sum it up. Money gets wings and it flies away. And, and, and this, this isn't in Proverbs, but it's funny. It's like, if mo and, and if it doesn't, by the time you die, you fly from your money. <laughs> One way or another. The bottom line, money flies away. It gets wings and it goes, or you're going to die and you're flying from your money. Either way. So we need to put our confidence in Jesus Christ. Money, hear me out, Hill City. Let's say this over and over. Money is an incredible, it's an awesome servant. It is a really, really bad master. Let it serve you, don't let it master you. If it becomes your master, it will steal your freedom. 
Many people understand this. You're living it. If money becomes your master, it will steal your joy. Some of us us can handle it. Some of us cannot. Put your confidence in Christ, not your money. Be humble. Number three, a proper way to think about your money is that you need to enjoy it and you need to share it. I'm putting those together. Enjoy it and share it. The Bible tells us to do that. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus Christ, he tells us to enjoy God's blessing, but we should also be rich in good works. We should give it away. We should share it and enjoy it. Humility, put your confidence in Christ. Enjoy it and share it. And then four is this. Know where life is truly found. That which is truly life Everything we do at this church is about Jesus. Everything we do at this church is for Jesus. Everything that we do is through Jesus and by his spirit. I want to say it again. the, The story, the truth that we hang our hat on is that we have a rich king who became poor so that we could have everything. If you're serving communion, I want you to go to your spots. So Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, the pastor, Pastor Timothy, and he's like, here's what you need to tell your people. (laughs) In case you're wondering where these four points came from, okay? And those of you who have been here a long time, you know this. If you're new, you need to understand that I've never had an original thought in my life, okay? So if that disappoints you, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. This is going to sound very familiar, specifically the points that we just made. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, now let me stop right there, and I'm going to be very clear, that is you. That's everyone here. We are in the top percent of the world, okay? Right? This is weird. Let me do this. Just raise your hand if you drove a car to church today. Just please get them up, okay? There we go. Filthy rich. Are you kidding me? A car? Most of the world doesn't have a car. Most of the world would like to have your car to live in. Okay, so here we go. As for the rich in this present age, that's us. Here we go. Charge them not to be haughty. Be humble. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. We put our hope in Christ, right? But on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy it. They are to do good. That's us. We are to be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So let's recap. We should be people who are generous. The Bible tells us to. That's what our king did. We want to mimic him. We actually should be generous to our local church. The Bible tells us to. Paul writes to local churches. How do we do that? Cheerfully, faithfully. Okay, now listen, before we end, some, some guys, and I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm saying I'm not with them on this, some guys would be like, I don't even want you to do it. If you can't do it cheerfully, if you can't give cheerfully, if you can't give faithfully, I don't even want you to do it. To me, that's, that's the same as like, if you can't enjoy going to the gym, don't go. That's a bad idea. 
you'll never go to the gym. See, this, this, this faithful giving, this cheerful giving, it's actually learned. And it's very similar to working out. You just got to do it. And you will grow to see what it does in you and through you. And eventually, that cheerful muscle will get worked. That faithful muscle will get worked. So no, no, no. If you can't give cheerfully, if you can't give faithfully, I challenge you to still do so, just to still give. The people of God have always been givers who met every need because that's what our king did. Can we mimic our king? A rich king who became poor so that we could have everything. So God, we come to you and ask that you, your spirit right now would just even work in hearts and, and, and that you would even maybe cause someone to understand that story of a rich king like they've never understood it before. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.